0: I'm going to read from the Bhagavad Gita as it is, chapter nine, most confidential knowledge, text number one. Title of this class is becoming non-envious. So, if you have a Bhagavad Gita, you can follow along. Nine one. Shri Bhagavan Vacha idam tu Yana Saitam, Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swayam Shri Prabhupada. Supreme Personality of God had said, My dear Arjuna, because you are never envious of me, I shall impart to you this most confidential knowledge and realization, knowing which you shall be relieved of the miseries of material existence. The well, let me read the translation again slowly. And we can follow along. The Supreme Personality of God had said, My dear Arjuna, because you are never envious of me, I shall impart to you this most confidential knowledge and realization, knowing which you shall be relieved of the miseries of material existence. The Purport. As a devotee, Hears more and more about the Supreme God, he becomes enlightened. This hearing process is recommended in the Srimad Bhagavatam. The messages of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are full of potencies. And these potencies can be realized if topics regarding the Supreme Godhead are discussed amongst devotees. This cannot be achieved by the association of mental speculators. Or academic scholars, where it is realized knowledge. The devotees are constantly engaged in the Supreme Lord's service. The Lord understands the mentality and sincerity of a particular living entity who is engaged in Krishna consciousness and gives him the intelligence to understand the science of Krishna in the association of devotees. The discussion of Krishna is very potent, and if a fortunate person As such association and tries to assimilate the knowledge, then he will surely make advance towards spiritual realization. Lord Krishna, in order to encourage Arjuna, a higher and higher elevation in his potent service, describes in this ninth chapter matters more confidential than any has already disclosed. The very beginning of Bhagavad Gita, the first chapter, is more or less an introduction. rest of the book and in the second and third chapters the spiritual knowledge described is called confidential topics discussed in the seventh and eighth chapters are specifically related to devotional service as they bring enlightenment in Krishna consciousness they are called more confidential but the matters which are described in the ninth chapter deal with unalloyed devotional service therefore is Therefore, this is called the most confidential. One who is situated in the most confidential knowledge of Krishna is naturally transcendental. He therefore has no material pangs, although he is in the material world. In The Bhakti-rasamrita-sindhu, it is said that although one who has, has a sincere desire to render service of the Supreme Lord is situated in the conditional state of material existence, is to be considered liberated. Similarly, we find in the Bhagavad Gita 10th chapter that anyone who's engaged in that way is a liberated person. Now this first verse has specific significance. The word idam gyanam, this knowledge refers to pure devotional service, which consists of nine different activities, hearing, chanting, remembering, serving, of being praying, obeying, maintaining friendship and surrendering everything. By the practice of these nine elements of devotional service, one is elevated to spiritual consciousness, Krishna consciousness. When one's heart is cleared clear of material contamination, one can understand the science of Krishna. Simply to understand that a living entity is not material is not sufficient. One must be that may be the beginning of spiritual realization. One should recognize the difference between activities of the body and the spiritual activities for one who understands that is not the body. In the seventh chapter, we have already discussed the, full, the opulent potency of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, his different energies, the inferior and superior natures, and all this material manifestation. Now in chapter nine, the glories of the Lord will be further delineated. The Sanskrit word in this verse is also very significant. Generally, the commentators, even if they are highly scholarly, are all envious of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Even the most erudite scholars write on Bhagavad Gita very inaccurately, because they are envious of Krishna. Their commentaries are useless. The commentaries given by the devotees of the Lord are bona fide. No one can explain Bhagavad Gita or give perfect knowledge of Krishna if he is envious. One who criticizes the character of Krishna without knowing him is a fool. So such commentaries should be very carefully avoided. For one who understands that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the pure and transcendental personality, these chapters will be very beneficial. Oh so again the verse, idam te tu kuyatamam, prabhaksham anuṣṭu yive jñāna-vijñāna-sāyitāṁ moksa se Because you are never envious of me, Arjuna, I explain to you this most confidential knowledge and realization, knowing which you shall be relieved of the miseries of material existence. Nirmam, Vishnu, Parāya, Krishna, Prasthaya, Bhutaya, Bhakti, Virata, Swami, Tanamone. Namaste, Sarasatunde, Gauravani Visharane, Nirvi, Shesha, Shrivani, Paska, Jadi, Katar. Just before I forget, Kumari, Devi Dasi. Hare uh, Krishna, Guru Mehadasa, Hare Krishna. Bendiciones. There's probably a number of devotees who don't know that I'm giving it from Russia. We don't know that I'm giving a class. Okay. So maybe it would be good to find, to get more of the uh, internet. Maybe you can send me a list of what you have and send Agnihotra a list of the, uh, whoever you send out the messages to so we can make sure that everyone's included. I, I
1: send messages to, to uh, English speaking
0: devotees but Agnihotra Prabhu has a, list, so. Here's okay, we can okay. just, so Agni Hodge, maybe you can send me your list and, and then I can check. Okay. it mentions that, well, this is the beginning of the ninth chapter of Bhagavad Gita. It says that there are 10 billion verses in the, in the Vedic literature. And of those, Bhagavad Gita summarizes the 10 billion verses in 700 verses. And all those verses are summarized in the ninth chapter or we could say the middle six chapters of Bhagavad Gita from seven to 12 contain the essence of all the 700 verses. And the ninth chapter contains the essence of all those verses in the middle six chapters. So here we begin with the essence of the entire Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says our qualification to understand this means that we should not be envious. And if we're not envious then we'll be able to hear what Krishna is talking, what he's saying. And if we understand what Krishna is saying then not only will get the theoretical knowledge, but By proper cultivation of that theoretical knowledge, it will become experienced knowledge. The aim of the Hare Krishna movement is so we experience Krishna, not only to understand him theoretically, but to actually have direct experience of our relationship and him personally. So what is envy? Envy means that we think that we're superior to someone in some way, or we're envious of someone who's superior to us. Now, how does that manifest itself? In the seventh chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, verse 27, Krishna says, Ichcha Vandva Sarva Bhutani That all the entities are born into delusion overcome by the dualities of desire and hate. In other words, Due to desire and hate, the ignorant person wants to become one with the Supreme Lord and envies Krishna as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, if we want to find out if we're how we're envious, it's not just theoretical or some emotion that sometimes arises within our heart when we see someone in a better position than we are, or we become envious if someone is trying to get onto the same level that we're on. Now, desire and hate is manifested in the material world in everyday existence when we're desiring something outside of Krishna consciousness and we become frustrated when we can't get it, whatever it may be. In the 16th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, this is 16, I forget actually the verses for the translator. It's the sixteenth chapter, um maybe uh sixteenth verse. A little bit longer after that, maybe seventeen and eighteen. Krishna says, "Idam adya maya lavdva, yam pravse manoritam. Idam asti amapi me, vavishati praradnam. Asa maya hetak shatro, anishay chapuran api, isvara hamahamvagi, So much wealth do I have today, and I'll gain more according to my schemes. So much is mine and I'll get more and more and more. He is my enemy and I've killed him. All my other enemies will all be killed. I am the Lord of everything. I am perfect. I am powerful and I am happy. I'm surrounded by rich and aristocratic relatives. I shall perform sacrifice. I will give some charity and thus I shall rejoice. In this way, the demoniac person is bewildered by ignorance. In other words, the very desire to want something in the mature world and the very frustration not being able to achieve it is all part of our forgetfulness of Krishna. It all starts when <laughs> we want happiness and we're not convinced that happiness can be exclusively found in our relationship with Krishna. And therefore we look for happiness outside of that relationship with Krishna. And that turns into looking around the material world, trying to figure out, where in the material world is there something to make me happy? Is there something to read?
1: Is there something to see?
0: Is there something to hear about? Is there something to taste or smell or touch that will make me happy? And then even if we can we don't get that object of the senses then we become frustrated immediately and then we become literally attachment and the aversion and the frustration. Uh, We imagine Maya gives us so many ideas why we're frustrated. Uh, She'll never tell us you're frustrated because you're not focusing your mind upon Krishna. Maya will give us so many enemies that are impeding our fulfillment of of our desires. And being on that cloud of illusion, we actually believe that we're the we are this body, we are this mind. We have our intelligence in order to fulfill our desires. In other words, we create this, well, maya for us creates this bubble of illusion, We're already an illusion identifying ourselves with this gross and subtle body. But then maya actually causes us to take this drama that we think we're part of seriously. And because we start taking this drama seriously, we forget who we actually are. And we forget who we actually are then we forget what we're supposed to be doing. And we forget what we're supposed to be doing, we act in the material world to try to end our frustrated frustration due to our unfulfilled desires, or we try to remove the obstacles so that we think my mind will be satisfied. So this is called attachment and illusion. In other words, material nature is quite powerful. And unless we take shelter of Krishna and his devotees, then we're already subjected to the influence of the most material nature but then we become further subjected to the influence of the of the material nature. So that's manifested in duality. This duality of now I'm happy, now I'm unhappy. This is a woman, this is a man, this is my house, I'm the master of the house. So many different dualities. And one who's deluded by dualities, they cannot understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead and they lose their spiritual intelligence. In other words, we're all spiritual beings. We can enjoy Krishna and the spiritual life, or we can suffer in the material nature, trying to find a happy position here in the material world. Some nice arrangement for my comfort and my security. Uh, There's no such thing as comfort in the material world. The material world is inherently uncomfortable And no one is secure here, because even Lord Brahma is born and after 311 trillion, 40 billion years, he also has to leave his body. And he cannot be 100% sure where he's going either, unless he's completely Krishna conscious. Therefore, the beginning of civilization, beyond animal life, animal life means enviousness. Every animal is envious of other animals. Similarly, every human being, unless they're developing their Krishna consciousness, is subjected to being envious of every other living entity. As we can see, without the regulations of the Vedic culture, people are even envious of their own children. They even kill their own children in the womb. What to speak of the poor animals? They cannot even tolerate a spider in their house. How dare you take up room in my house? So, this enviousness is due to lack of Krishna consciousness. In other words, our very awareness depends upon our relation with Krishna. The more we're conscious of Krishna by following some process or another, then, the le- then less we're subjected to the influence of the lower modes. And the more we're influenced by the lower modes, then the less awareness we have of Krishna. So to counteract this tendency towards accepting our mental speculations, we have to take up the process of devotional service. So as it mentions in this verse, the beginning of devotional service is to hear about Krishna in the association of devotees. Now, basically speaking, we have to hear about three things. And our ability to appreciate and take advantage of those three three things also depends upon our willingness to apply what we hear in our daily, everyday lives. The first thing is uh, that Krishna is the proprietor of everything unless we can accept that Krishna is the pride of everything, then naturally we'll think that by default, what I have belongs to me. Now, the problem is that as soon as we think anything belongs to us, then we forget the actual owner because Maya is very close to us. It says, Krishna Vahyar bhoga Boga Vanchatare. That maya is right next to us. And as soon as we forget how things are related to Krishna, namely, especially that everything belongs to Krishna, including my own body, and I have to inquire, just like Prabhupada, when he wrote a letter to his spiritual master, to the Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada, he only asked him one question, how can I serve you? So that's the question that we have to keep in mind. Uh, What can I do with my body? What can I do with my mind? What can I do with my intelligence? What can I do with my determination to serve Guru and Krishna? Ultimately, service to Guru means service to Krishna. The Guru gives us intelligence, gives us knowledge, gives us the opportunity to serve Krishna in some way. Service to Guru means service to the disciple succession, especially in our movement, means to come in contact with Srila Prabhupada so that whatever the Guru is saying can be confirmed by Srila Prabhupada's books, that we know that we're in contact with our disciple succession, not only because the Guru is saying something, but because what the Guru is saying is, is actually confirmed within Prabhupada's books and instruction, especially his books. Because Prabhupada's books, probably gave instructions according to time, place and audience. And therefore, Prabhupada had to adjust the teachings in order to fit the mentality of the audience that he was, was, was trying to explain Krishna consciousness to. That meant that sometimes one audience would receive one instruction, another audience would receive a completely different instruction. And that may seem confusing, to someone who doesn't understand that the pure devotee, he gives the absolute truth, but according to the time, place and circumstance. That's like if you're trying to learn mathematics, there's a absolute science of math, and it begins with one plus one is equal to two. Now, someone may only be able to understand how one plus one is equal to two. And someone else may be on an advanced, more advanced level of math. And they may be studying calculus, trigonometry, trigonometry, algebra. Now the same principles of one plus one is equal to two applies in any kind of mathematics that we're learning. But one who's learning advanced math, such as algebra, trigonometry, or calculus, may think that there's some difference between what's being explained on the higher levels and what's being explained on the lower levels. So Prabhupada was preaching the absolute truth but applying it according to the time and the place and the audience that he was speaking to or the circumstances. Therefore, even Prabhupada's instructions that he gives according to time, place, and audience, we have to refer back to his books to understand, to confirm or to understand more clearly why Prabhupada was saying something. For instance, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells Arjuna, mayavesha <coughs> this is Bhagavad Gita, <coughs> chapter 12, verse number eight, there, Krishna says, Just fix your mind upon me, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and engage all your intelligence to in me. Thus you'll live with me always without any doubt. So that's an absolute instruction. So we can take that instruction and that would be sufficient to, for our perfection. But 99.999% of the people in this world will never be able to apply that instruction in their everyday life. Therefore Krishna says to Arjuna, If you cannot fix your mind upon me, then engage yourself in the, in the regular principles of devotional service and in this way, try to develop the desire to obtain me. In other words, Krishna, knowing his audience is not only going to be the topmost devotees, now brings us to the platform where most of us can understand, or can, where most of us may be situated. Namely, the regular principles of devotional service, as Prabhupada mentions in this verse, the nine processes of the hearing, chanting, remembering, serving, praying to Krishna, to engage ourselves in these nine processes. Now, we engage ourselves in these, when we're engaged in these nine processes, it's to be considered that we're liberated, liberated from the material influence, at least enough to engage in the process. Now, Krishna says, if we're engaged in these nine processes, he'll reciprocate with us. To those who are constantly devoted to serving me with love, I give them the understanding by which they can come to me. And as Prabhupada mentions in our purport that we just, I just read, that Krishna reciprocates with us because He's in our heart, and He understands our mentality and our sincerity. So what is that mentality? Devotional service, as Prabhupada said, is very, our philosophy is very consistent and exacting and voluminous. If we examine Bhagavad Gita, now we can understand what does Krishna mean by, what does Prabhupada mean by mentality? So our mentality, Krishna advises, should be purvaka. how much love we have for Krishna. Now, we may not feel very much love. All right, so let's take it a step down. What about appreciation? How much appreciation we have for our service? Okay, well, I don't have that much appreciation. Well, let me try to do my service carefully. That much I should be able to do. Do it carefully. Take some effort to plan what we're doing. Take some effort to think about what we're doing take some effort, put some effort into our service. So that's care. Now Krishna will take that as something like, for Krishna's point of view, he'll take that as love. One time I wrote essentially Prabhupada some Lakshmi for his book fund. I was the treasurer in Buffalo in 1969, 1970. And so whatever books we sold, at that time, we sent the money. We sent directly to Shri Prabhupada. And Prabhupada's one letter he wrote to me. He said, "Thank you very much for this contribution of love." So, from the pure devotee's point of view, from Krishna's point of view, even some dutiful service or even some insignificant service is taken from the, by them as an act of love. If we do something things carefully. Then eventually, Krishna will help us and he'll give us the intelligence for developing our appreciation and then our enthusiasm and ultimately our actual love, pretty affection for Krishna and for Krishna's devotees. Similarly careful, not only careful, but also uh, attention So if we're sincere, then we'll try to be attentive in what we're doing. Even we're not so expert at being so careful, but we'll become more careful the more attention we pay. Or as Prabhupada writes in the Krishna book, the art of Krishna consciousness is the art of focusing one's attention and giving one's love to Krishna. So our first business is to focus our attention on Krishna, especially these nine processes of devotional service, we can ask ourselves, am I, what I'm doing now, is this actually part of the nine processes? Is it actually part of devotional service? If not, why am I doing something other than Krishna's service right now? Now, no one may be watching. We may think, well, it's all right. Just a little peek. No one, no one will know. Uh, but Krishna will know, he's in our heart and he'll give us knowledge, he'll he'll give us the intelligence how to do whatever we're doing according to our desire. But if we want to become Krishna conscious, we want to become sincere, then we have to become consistent. We can, we won't get the full effect if a little for Krishna and a little for Maya. If it's more for Krishna and less for Maya, and Krishna will see that we're trying to become sincere. Now, developing that relationship is very simple. We have our processes given by Krishna, given through our disciple succession, especially there are five powerful processes that we have a morning program for. Our normal sadhana in the temples is that we wake up in the morning and then we chant Hare Krishna the most powerful process in this age. And then in the temple, we have deity worship. We have Mangalarti. And along with Mangalarti, we have service to the devotees because one devotee is chanting, others are listening. So this is also service. Those who are chanting are giving service and those who are listening are also giving service. Then we have the hearing of Srimad Bhagavatam, we have our Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam classes in the temple. And we also have the trying to make the atmosphere spiritual, either in the temple by cleaning the temple, by nicely dressing the deities and decorating them, by having proper relations within the temple. For instance, in Shura Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, or the nectar devotion. There are 64 items of deity worship, which all are meant to help make the temple, our temple worship more spiritual, create more of a spiritual atmosphere. And by the mercy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for those who have the opportunity, they can go out and preach. Or even if we can't go out and preach to others, if we're living with other devotees, our wife, our children, our relatives, our friends, whatever, we can try to act in the Krishna conscious way with them and try to create a spiritual atmosphere by properly trying to help others become conscious of Krishna and arranging our at the atmosphere wherever we're living and making trying to make it more spiritual. Clean with temple with deities in our house. So there's no bar. Even if we don't live in a temple, no All of us have the opportunity by Krishna's mercy, we can have our own little morning programs. No one will probably prevent us from getting up fairly early and having a little mandal arti, even if it's by ourselves, read a little bit of Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, offer some incense and water to the deities. And this way we can engage in devotional service in any circumstance, whether in the temple, or outside the temple. It depends upon our sincerity and the quality will be measured by our, how careful, how our mentality, how careful we are, how attentive we are, etc. And Krishna will reciprocate with us. There's no bar, it's not that only in the temple Krishna reciprocates or only when we're preaching on the outside, then Krishna reciprocates. Krishna is anxious to reciprocate any development of our mentality. Devotional mentality, as well as our steadiness and our determination, and sincerity. In this way, as we become more absorbed in Christian consciousness, then gradually our hearts will become purified, and we'll actually see three things. Uh, right now, whatever consciousness we're under, which is outside of Christian consciousness, is all artificial. It has nothing to do with our real selves. Uh, when we wake up to Krishna consciousness by the practice of pure devotional service, then we'll discover what our real feelings are towards others. And what is that? Uh, that when one eats a meal simultaneously with every bite, we experience three things alleviation of hunger, growing strength, and satisfaction. Similarly, by the practicing devotional service with the right sincerity, with the right mentality, with the right steadiness, with the right enthusiasm, with the right care and attention, then we should be experiencing three things. Namely, we should be, Krishna will give us the intelligence by which we can understand how everyone and everything is related to Krishna and at the same time we'll develop an appreciation if not love for everyone and everything as it's related to Krishna and every of uh, all the thoughts and all the influences that serve to draw our minds away from Krishna that distract us from devotional service pure devotional service will become more and more detached from them and therefore our association with Krishna will increase more and more steadily, and our actual experience of Krishna will become more and more uh, vivid, intense, and enjoyable. Now that begins with, generally speaking, in previous ages, that practice of pure devotional service was begun at a very early age. As Prahlad Maharaj said, Kamara Acharat pragyo, Dharma Bhagavataniha, Gurlava Manusha Janma, Taratyaguvam Artadam. That one should begin practicing devotional service from the tender age of childhood, at the age of five years old. Most of us didn't begin at five years old. And some of us may not have begun at 50 years old. Still, from the very beginning, we can practice devotional service, but we should know what we're practicing. So in the Brahmachari life, Nara Muni tells you to Maharaj in the seventh in the seventh canto, text number uh, chapter twelve, text number one, Shrinaravacha brahmachari Guru kurule, Vasandanta Guruhitam, Achavanda Nicho, Guru Sorida Sarita that Narada said, a student should practice completely controlling his senses. He should be submissive and should have an attitude of firm friendship with the spiritual master. The great vow of the brahmachari should live at the Gurukul only for the benefit of the Guru. So this is the beginning of practice, which can help us achieve liberation. Once we're liberated, once we're fixed, our minds are fixed on Krishna without any deviation, that our normal mentality will develop. Until then, we have to go through the rules and regulations. The culture, we could say, not just rules and regulations, there's a culture behind Krishna consciousness. And the culture is, begins with, was normally began in Guru in Gurukho, that controlling the senses. Now in the Kho, as will be explained in that particular chapter, the, the as Krishan Balara and Krishan Sudama. They lived at the Gurukul. And when the, the spiritual master, Sandhipani Muni, told them to go and collect firewood, they went into the forest looking for firewood and they went through some austerity because it was a big storm. And still they faithfully served the order of their spiritual master in spite of any inconvenience. So this is called controlling the senses. The mind will always tell us, Oh, it's cold here or it's too hot. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Or you've been unfairly treated. You shouldn't, you know, just go on strike from devotional service. The mind will always introduce something to us so that we engage our our activities in something other than devotional service. So controlling the senses means also controlling the mind by always bringing it back to Krishna's service. and then using our intelligence so we can do it with more care and attention. So that's called controlling the senses. And submissive. Not that I'm such a great personality, I don't really need to to follow anyone's instructions. I'm already, you know, practically perfect. Uh, I have everything I need. Uh, Therefore, why should I listen to anyone? But once you try to become submissive to the words given to us from Krishna. Uh, the devotees are simply trying to assist us in being able to hear better the words of Krishna, appreciate them more, and accept it, see how to accept those words into our life so that we improve our spiritual life. And then one should have a firm attitude of firm friendship with the spiritual master. One should accept the devotees whether it's the Diksha Guru or the Shiksha Guru, as are our well-wishers. We shouldn't become envious of them, thinking, who are you to tell me what to do? I don't listen to anyone, I'm, I'm above all that. Besides that, I'm better than you are. Therefore, these attitudes, controlling the senses, except everything belongs to Krishna, I should find out how to utilize these things in Krishna's service, And then I should do it with an attitude of at least, if not uh, ecstatic love, at least enthusiasm. And if not enthusiasm, then at least appreciation, if not appreciation, at least with care and attention. And here it says firm friendship. We should know that Krishna, Krishna's representatives are asking us to do things for our benefit not necessarily for their benefit. And therefore the Brahmacharya should live at the gurukul only for the benefit of the Guru. In other words, Guru means, as it says in a later verse in twelfth chapter and the eleventh canto of Shrimad Bhagavatam, text number two, verse number thirty-seven. Vayamdvitiadi Bidesh Tasyat isa viparayosmiti Tanmayatayo tvam Makya Keisha Guru Devatma. Fear arises when a living entity misidentifies himself as the material body because of absorption in the external illusory energy of the Lord. If we think a little bit, we'll see that we're always fearful. What's going to happen? You know, now the coronavirus is all around the world. Everyone's those who believe in the coronavirus are the thinking the virus. May sneak into my room and, and attack me. Others may believe any other thing, you know, whatever they believe that this is all a conspiracy by the Illuminati. They're going to attack me. So everyone is fearful. Coronavirus before the coronavirus, there's so many di- different things. You live in Australia, there's so many snakes and scorpions and so many. Everywhere you go, there's something to be fearful about. You walk down the street, nowadays in some parts of the world and people don't have a mask on, people become fearful. You're going to kill me because you don't have a mask. You're gonna sneeze and I'll die. In any case, everyone is fearful all the time. And that's because of our identification or misidentification with these gross and subtle material bodies. And this identification is caused by the illusory energy of the Lord. So why are we under the illusory energy? Again, because we've turned away from Krishna. And therefore, when a living entity turns away from Krishna, he also forgets his constitutional position as a servant of the Lord. So if we try to do something outside of pure devotional service, no matter how powerful we think we are, we're going to forget Krishna. We may think I'm on the topmost devotee and therefore I don't have to worry about doing something outside of pure devotional service, but the, the consequences are we'll forget Krishna. And when we forget Krishna, that's called maya. We may be accustomed to being maya, but it's not our proper position. <clears throat> this bewildering, fearful condition is affected by the potency for illusion called maya. One time, Prabhupada came to Boston when I was, I I also went to visit Prabhupada there with the other devotees from my temple that I was in. And Prabhupada came and he gave a lecture about Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada because it was his disappearance day. And then his servant, Prusattham said, Prabhupada went back to his room because there was no place for him to stay at the temple. He was staying in a hotel nearby and Prabhupada sat at the ed- stood at the edge of the, be- the bed and then he fell backwards onto the bed and rolled over and he said, I always pray to Krishna every night to please protect me from maya. So that's the attitude that will protect us from maya, to always be fearful of falling, falling to maya. Whereas Prahladmaras said, there's no enemy in this world except for the uncontrolled mind. So we should be fearful that if I'm in Maya and I leave my, leave my body at this particular time, no one knows what my destination is. Therefore, an intelligent person should engage unflinchingly in the unalloyed devotional service under the guidance of a bona fide spiritual master, whom he should accept as his worshipful deity and his very life and soul. The the conclusion is that. We have to hear this knowledge from the devotees, elevated devotees, not so elevated devotees. And we have to try to assimilate the knowledge, as Prabhupada says in, in his purport. Now, assimilating the knowledge means that we try to see what Krishna is saying through his pure devotees or himself directly. That actually applies to my life so that I can see what Krishna wants me to see. How Krishna is seeing through my eyes in my experience, in my existence. Krishna is speaking to us in Bhagavad Gita. He's speaking to Arjuna, but he's also speaking to us personally. Prabhupada is also speaking to us personally. And to help us understand it, we have the associate what they're saying, we have the association of devotees to try to help us understand what they're saying. But we have if we assimilate this knowledge then gradually we'll be able to see through our own eyes, how Krishna sees this world, how a pure devotee sees this world. Vidya, Vinaya, Sampane, Brahmanigavi, Hastini, Taiva, Jaiva, Pandita, The humble sages, by virtue of true knowledge, see with an equal vision, the learned and gentle Brahmin, the cow, the elephant, the dog, and the dog eater. So we have to see how Krishna is seeing. That's called assimilating the knowledge. And then we have to become determined to act according to that knowledge. That determination, that conviction, to do that comes from experience. But at least sometimes we have to make a leap of faith that I've heard this, I don't have so much experience, but I'll try it out and see what it's like try to act nicely to the devotees, try to serve our the devotees, even some devotee we don't like so much. Maybe we should try to think favorably about them at least, try to see something good in them. What we're seeing as bad may be there, but they're also, devo- they're trying to become devotees. So we won't get a heart attack if we try to see some good quality that they have and see w- whether I feel better thinking about their good qualities, or if I feel better thinking about their bad qualities, or how much influence do I have to change their bad qualities just by criticizing them, even within my mind? Let me send you this vibration from 3,000 miles away, how much I hate you, and maybe when you learn, get this vibration from 3,000 miles away, you'll correct yourself and become pure devotee, and then I can love you it's very unlikely that our vibration of hate, animosity, et cetera, is gonna melt anyone's heart and say, oh, this person hates me. Let me become a pure devotee so they can love me. No better off we think something favorably unless we have the service of trying to help them in some way discover what their problems are. But for most of us, and for most of us, we even have such a service. It doesn't apply to every devotee under every circumstance. So let us try for at least thinking favorably about someone I constantly think unfavorably about and see whether or not I feel better, if not Krishna makes arrangements so that my relationship with those devotees actually becomes better also. So that's called a leap of faith, changing according to our perspective, Try to change our conviction, our determination so that we think differently, We think more in line with what Krishna, how Krishna wants us to think. We think more, we do things which are more in line with what Krishna wants us to do. So that's called conviction. Then try to develop skills in loving exchanges with the devotees, especially. Skill in our devotional service, how to love Krishna more, how to become more attentive to Krishna's desires, how to become more of a servant of Krishna's servants, And how to help the innocent, how to cooperate with the devotees to help innocent people become Krishna conscious. And how to avoid the atheists, How how to become detached from things that draw my mind away from Krishna, although I may be interested in those things. So that's also part of our skill to just forget about things that normally we'd be previously interested in. Then the result is that we'll not only have knowledge and perspective and conviction and skill, but gradually as our heart becomes purified by thinking about Krishna more and serving Krishna more, more Krishna gives us intelligence and the more he reveals himself and purifies our, our hearts, then gradually devotional service, pure devotional service, would become more and more normal for us, more and more natural and previously the things that we were attracted to that drew our minds away from Krishna will no longer disturb us. And as we become fully absorbed in Krishna consciousness and fully engaged in devotional service, then devotional service becomes more and more natural and spontaneous and all the good qualities of Krishna will be manifested in ourselves by Krishna's mercy, by the mercy of his representatives. Then we can become a perfect instrument for Krishna and then not only we won't be, not, we'll become non-envious. Well, we'll love Krishna. We'll love the devotees. We'll love the innocent, and we'll be able to properly deal with the non-devotees by ignoring them, or sometimes when necessary, defeating them. But in any case, we won't have any animosity even towards the, the, those who are against Krishna. We won't have any animosity or attraction for them either. And that will be the middle step before we reach the supreme state of pure devotional service in full consciousness of Krishna. So again, the verse I read was Idamkute Pravaksham Sayitam Because you are never envious of me, Arjuna, I'll reveal, reveal to you this most confidential knowledge uh, of theoretical and, and, and realized knowing which you will be released from all the miseries of material existence. So as I pointed out, normally in the material world our very material consciousness has different degrees of enviousness to it. But if we engage in, and that enviousness is displayed by our attraction to trying to uh, control and enjoy the material nature, and our frustration over our inability to do so. These are different manifestations of ultimately enviousness towards Krishna and to his different manifestations. But if we engage in pure devotional service in the association of devotees, hear how everyone and everything is related to Krishna, how we can utilize Krishna's energies and his service, and we become determined to change our mentality towards a favorable mentality towards especially Krishna and his devotees, and the innocent and even the envious, when we change our mentality, then gradually we'll become more and more empowered to enter into the realm of transcendental life and pure devotional service. And we'll be able to experience what Krishna consciousness is actually all about. So I'll stop there. Thank you. Any questions or comments? Yes. Es posible, le puedo hablar en español y usted lo dice en inglés. Sí, es posible. Oye, oh, yeah, yeah. gracias, gracias, muchas gracias. Maras una una pregunta. ¿Qué, eh, ¿Qué es lo que le hace a un devo- a, vamos a decir una persona que está en la vida espiritual o un devoto tener envidia hacia otro devoto y, y ponerlo en dificultades? Y también, ¿qué es lo que lo hace no no trascender eso? Y bueno, o algo así, mi pregunta. Okay, so yes, some devotee, a devotee has envious, is envious of the other devotees, but he yes. can't transcend them. So what yes. does he do? Well, we, can't, we have to have some conviction that we can't transcend them. If we repeat the, ma- the mantra, I'm in maya, I'm in maya, I'm in maya, I'm envious, I'm envious, then we'll simply become more envious. That's not the mantra. We have to have some faith in the process And even if I'm envious of another devotee, then let me just think something favorable about that devotee. Even if it takes me a few hours to think of something favorable, that will be productive in my changing my consciousness. So let me think something favorable. Let me have some good thought about the devotee. And if I have enough spiritual power, enough control of my mind and senses, maybe I can even say something in glorification of that devotee. Even if no one else is around, let me say something favorable, at least I'll hear it. And ultimately, if I can do some service to that devotee, then my envious mentality will probably diminish. Especially if I, we become a servant of the devotees, then they, our mentality will, will diminish, uh, will change. We have a service attitude, and probably the devotee will reciprocate with us in such a way as that will develop a favorable relationship with us. So at least let us begin with changing. At least have one good thought about that devotee. See one good quality. Just like Prabhupada was in uh, twenty-six Second Avenue, and one. Street man came in, dirty, lived on the street. He came in with some rolls of toilet paper and he interrupted Prabhupada's lecture. He said, you know, he went into the, used the bathroom and he came out and he said, you don't have enough toilet paper. Prabhupada said, don't interrupt. The man went out and came back sometime later, five minutes later with some toilet paper and put it in the bathroom and then left again. So Prabhupada just said, just see, his, his mind is not proper, interrupting us, but still he wants to render some service. So generally, everyone is trying to render some service. Everyone's, so if we try to perceive how this devotee is rendering service and appreciate it, then we'll be able to think about something favorable towards them, and our relationship with them will probably change at least our feelings of relationship with them will change. Entiendes? Yes. Gracias, Thank you. Anything else?
1: Hi, Krishna Gurudev. Please, accept my, please this, accept my humble obeisance to the of a
0: This is Nitya Seva Dasi from India.
1: Yes. Um, I was just wondering about one question that... Uh, you know when sometimes we uh, visit our relatives and um, so i i found myself in this situation recently like i was visiting my relatives i just came back today and uh, you know they're not that uh, favorable to krishna consciousness or something like that and then they uh well compare you with compare me with some you know, they may be very materially successful in life and all those things. And uh, they just think about devotees, someone who just doesn't have any work and they just like chant and they have no work. So anyway, I was just, I was trying, like I had my two cousins and I was, you know, reading Krishna book with them and just trying to perform some devotional service with them. And those girls are very much favorable and they chant Hare Krishna as well. Uh, but their parents are not and the other family members are not. So like I was just trying to understand when we are with relatives and they're not very Krishna conscious or not favorable. So should I not visit them at all? Or because every time I just visit, I just uh, like they only criticize the devotees.
0: Yeah, we can associate with people who are envious of the devotees. It will hurt our enthusiasm. Why do we want to torture ourselves? Therefore, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, a Sangha, tyaga e vaishnavachar, sri sanga Krishna that are. A Vaishna or a vaishnavi is one who doesn't associate with those who are a bhaktis, who are against Krishna, or asadus, those who don't follow the principles of devotional service, or spankangi, those who are too much interested in sense gratification. That's the definition yeah. of a pure devotee, or even a devotee. Otherwise, I said association, that's the cause of fall down. As yeah. Guru Goswami says in the Nectar of Instruction, that there are six reasons for elevation and six reasons for fall down. So, one of them for elevation is Utsaham Nishya Tatat Karma Vartana Sangha Tyaga Satovite Enthusiasm, confidence, etc., patience. patience. for fall down, atyahara priyasas cha prijapu niyamagraha, jana sangas. so overeating, over endeavoring, overeating, over idle talk, not following the rules and regulations, and association with worldly minded persons, and greediness for material advancement. These are causes for losing our enthusiasm for devotional service. Thank you Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Even even, uh, Harini said to Prahlad Maharaj, association is just like a crystal, whoever you associate with you're going to reflect their mentality and that's your extremely advanced devotee like Śrīla Prabhupāda will become affected by our, our association. And if that association is actually adverse to Krishna, then we're just not only wasting our time because we can't help them, but more than likely we'll become affected by their association. Rather than (coughs) them and helping them become Krishna conscious. Yeah,
1: they were banging my head. (laughs) I thought I'm not going to visit them again. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) thanks.
0: All right. So I think we'll stop there. Nice to see you all. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Hare Krishna. Happy birthday. Hare Krishna. Thank you, Madhuras. Thank you, Madhuras. Hare Krishna. Thank thank Krishna.
1: You,
0: Hi. Yes. Krishna.
1: Krishna. 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 Krishna.
0: Hare
1: Krishna. Bartasarati, Jarivola, Bartasarati. El gol. El gol, Jarivola. Bartasarati. Are Cristo. Está Pepe ahí, Bartasarati. Va.